Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If, if you wanted to win the next election and appear progressive... You, you stick legalising marijuana in your, in your uh, manifesto. We're ready for it. It would, it would fly like that. Critical thinking. Do we need to employ more of it? And polarisation. I don't know what you think. Are we reaching polarisation point in society? We've got some wide-ranging subjects on this one, and we're joined by the people behind Jonathan Pye. So, you're listening to Stop and Search on Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network, brought to you by ACAST in association with UK. Yeah, here we go. Behind your barricades. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricades. Where should I seldom stray? This is a big episode for a couple of reasons. One, because we've got some big personalities. And that also leads to some quite big language, if you if you understand my meaning, so make sure you prepare for that. But also, we cover some wide-ranging topics. We're talking about polarisation of critical thinking. And the reason this episode came about is that I put in a call to my friend Ollie Pollard, who is now a three-time guest on Stop and Search, which makes him the record holder, I believe. He produced and directed Jonathan Pye's American Pie, which is on BBC. Now, as you can imagine, he knows the people behind Jonathan Pye, one of them being Andrew Doyle, who is also a friend of ours. He's been on this podcast before. And Tom Walker, the person behind Jonathan Pye, the person that plays him. They went out to America for Jonathan Pye's American Pie to look what's going on there with regards to Trump and how that sits socially around people. What's going on with regards to how that's moved on since the election and what it's done to society? And we've got the same sort of position here with Brexit. It's very polarising. It means that people are one side or the other. And there's been a lot on both sides of the Atlantic, a lot of insults thrown at rival tribes and camps. Drug policy can also be a bit like that. It can put you in a position of you're on that side, you're on that side. So do we need to be a bit more critical thinking? Do we need to listen to others? And are we a bit too polarised now? These are all subjects that we cover. We're hosted by the Queen Mary University again, and Jennifer Randall, who is a lecturer there, she's also on the panel as well, and thankfully Jennifer puts in some, um, some <laughs> I was going to say some sense, but that sounds bad to address our guests, but you know what I mean. So let's get straight on this episode before I insult, insult anybody else. This is Jonathan Pye's American Pie, critical thinking, polarisation, all of those things, drug policy, blah, 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 let's just, let's just go for it. 
And some of the things that Jennifer's just been saying to me is, yeah, pretty incredible uh, where she grew up. It was, there's, there's a thing called, was it the Rust Belt? Are we allowed to say that? Yep. Yeah. And that's where Jennifer grew up. And this is what's been covered in Jonathan Pye's American Pie. The whole point of that is what's going on in the United States politically? How does that affect it socially? And what was interesting to me is how if you don't allow people to have a voice, what happens? How does that manifest? What comes out in society? And that is the loose themes that we're going to be discussing with some swearing, because Tom's already asked. Yeah, and I've been allowed to swear. Yeah. So I'll save it. There's some brilliant swearing in this, by the way. There's some great fantastic swearing in there. (laughs) So, Jonathan Pie's American Pie. Yes. That's how I'm going to start that kind of formula. Right, first question, really geeky question. How long did it take to make? Because uh, presumably the writing process would have been quite difficult because I would imagine you didn't know what you were getting into at the time, Andrew, because surely there was an an evolutional process of you were doing it for the midterm elections. So you knew the basic premise, but was there much in the way of... That, that's why it was, it was quite... Uh, not, I'm not going to say rushed, but it, was a, uh, it had to be done relatively quickly because um, how, when did the commission go? It, was, it wasn't, wasn't that far before the midterms, was it? I don't think. I, I, um, we started shooting it before we got commissioned because oh. that's the way I just like, <laughs> come on, let's just do it. Um, so so we, we, we officially started shooting, but then we got commissioned and then it was all about visas. And then the minute we got commissioned, we were out there in about within about two weeks and we were out there for about two weeks. And then we came back and we had about two weeks to deliver <laughs> it. So nice. it was very... And it coincided because because there was a mini Jonathan Pye tour of the last show out for like four venues in America, four nights in America. So it it did coincide with that. So actually it did sort of work out quite fortuitously. And basically I was out there uh, on tour and it was like, it's now or never. So we went to the BBC and went, look, I'm over there anyway. Come on, you know, and we kind of, we re- I mean, it was tough to get it commissioned, but we managed to get it over the line in time. And, and, and then the minute you get a commission, you go, yeah, right, how the fuck are we going to do this? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? So it, 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 what was weird about it, it was kind of, it was, we, we knew structurally kind of what we wanted to do, but until you land there and until you're interviewing people, we had no idea whether it, we could pull it off. No idea. My f- kind of first question then is, how the hell does America react to the to that character when you're on stage? Do they get it? Because I've always assumed that, you know, satire and sarcasm uh, and, and those themes are quite a British trait. Yeah, we don't have form in that sort of late no. night behind the desk yeah, satire, yeah, yeah. do we really? But they, but they, but they recognise satire. Um, I think the Jonathan Pye, when we were there in New York, I saw the live show. And it's, you know, it's full on for anybody who's seen the live show. And I think even for New Yorkers' sensibility, they're kind of like a little bit, you know, blown away. But that was sold out and... Yeah, it was great. But also, you know, live, you can really let loose with the character um, because also you have time to uh, piss the audience off and then win them back again. You don't have that in a three-minute thing, you know, but but with the live shows, you can really slap them around a bit. Um and actually, I, I'd say that the, it went down better. I, I taught it in America and Australia. They were much more up for having their sensibilities played with and uh, uh, having a mirror shot up to them going, look where you get it wrong. So it went, it, surprisingly, it went down better than I could have hoped. 
there's an amazing quote that you end the film with, well, towards the end, um, and this is where I'm going to have to read it out. I'm going to get it so stumbled and wrong. But by not allowing an opinion to be aired, that somehow, um, I can't even read my own handwriting, um, somehow eradicates the opinion. It doesn't... No, hang on. That's gone completely wrong. And yeah, that's going to yeah, sound yeah, great. There are people on the is. left that, that suggest that by not allowing an opinion to be aired, that somehow eradicates the that's opinion. That's it. Yeah. Um, which Nailed is, it. Which is absolute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Price. Um, <laughs> which is demonstrably bollocks, you know. Uh, but if you point that out to certain members of people on on, on the left, um, that they would accuse you of being uh, right wing for, 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 for pointing out... Uh, what I would consider the bleeding obvious, but uh, it's it's not the bleeding obvious because it's that 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 um, narrative is not is not uh, part of the prevailing liberal wind. And then anything that isn't part of the prevailing liberal wind these days, uh, the prevailing liberal wind labels far right, alt right, Nazi. Um, That's so, actually interesting because yeah. I've noticed that across Twitter feeds um, that if the left doesn't always. I don't know if it doesn't get that echo chamber right and some people think, oh, no, you're drifting too far off to the right. A backlash can come from that. So we've we've gone into this tribal position, haven't we, of like it's, left and right. And it's worse towards people who are from the left, from the tribe, anyone who strays slightly away from it. They get more venom than the people who are, are just openly on the other side. Uh, I think that's the problem. And I think it's I think a lot of the problem as well is that traditionally the left has been plagued by this... Um, uh, belief in, in, in the possibility of a utopia, the possibility that humankind can be perfected if you just police the language and make sure people say the right things, that, that you can achieve that. And actually, uh, same with their political and economic ideologies, that, that we can reach a perfect society when well, you can't because you're dealing with humankind. And that's, therefore they won't acknowledge that and they won't brook any, um, any criticism uh, it, because of that, I think. Or at least that's at the heart of it, I reckon. Can I take a rudimentary show of hands of, just for interest's sake... And you don't have to do this. This can be anonymous. Um, obviously, you're behind the camera. But <laughs> can you hold your hand up if you think you're left-leaning? Can you hold your hand up if you think you're right-leaning? And really? Blimey. Get out. <laughs> yeah. Get out, you motherfucker. <laughs> Tristan, you're sad. Give me back my, give me back my Zoom. <laughs> and if you're... Boris Johnson. Yeah, there's actually... No one will see this, so it's, it's actually Boris Johnson. So and if you're in the middle... If you think I'm of no political fixed abode, yeah, I think I'm there. I think I think that I go with wherever the sense is for my own sensibilities. I think. And do you think that we almost need to shed the labels of left and right on these? Yeah, the, the tribalism bit is, you know, debilitating yeah. for everyone. And that was interesting when we were in America that people have been pushed into those those groups. So if you're a Trump supporter, there's no real, that's it, you're there and, and you're yeah, never yeah. going to shift. And so, you know, most people will understand how a TV show's made. You know, the, the first bit of filming that Tom's talking about doing was pretty much on his own with a crew in America before I went out and joined in LA. But <clears throat> that was a thing called Politicon, which features. But there's obviously loads of stuff that didn't make the film it's an hour you know there's only so so much we could um put in about politicon but you'll see that most of those people yeah are just very staunch they've been pushed into these little groups and 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 they're refusing to budge and i think it's that has happened across 
not only in America but here. You but know? It, but it's also because they they have to stick there because they're not allowed back. You know what I mean? Um, uh, it, I mean it's you know. If if certain members of the left keep telling you you're right wing, well, you may as well fucking vote Tory. You may as well sod off and read the Telegraph. Do you know what I mean? Because because if you're not allowed to transgress on one opinion, um, and if you do, you are right wing. Um, and and I don't care what I don't care what your concerns are. I mean that's the problem with the left is that they don't we we. we uh, I mean, I've said it so many times; it's it's kind of boring. But but you know, left being left wing used to be a working class necessity. Now it's a middle class hobby. You know, um, <laughs> and and so if you're left and you're all oh, socially progressive and isn't isn't it all marvellous? But you're not listening to working class people because you're just assuming they're a bigot. Um, well, who are those people going to vote for? They're, those people are going to vote for people who are promising them change, whether that change be real or whether that promise be bullshit or not. And uh, Brexit, Trump, two sides of the same coin, really, um, that, that they both offered change, you know. Uh, um, and, and Trump, let's be honest, he's, he's not, he didn't lie about it. <laughs> I mean, it's Washington is is unrecognisable to what it was five years ago, three years ago. It's unrecognisable. He has changed it. He hasn't changed it for the. He hasn't changed America for the better for those people that voted for him. I don't think. But the economy's doing pretty fucking well, and you know, you know, I mean, he's he's basically delivering, which is which we don't like to hear because he's delivering what we wouldn't want him because what I would never vote for. But he is kind of delivering. I'm rambling. But, but also, I wonder whether. I think people have forgotten what left and right actually means. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think yeah. most people are, yeah. who identify as left, what they really are is a kind of centre-left uh, bourgeois. They think putting up a, a gay flag on your Facebook profile makes you left-wing, um, and they don't really understand that, or they certainly don't. Um, they're, 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 in other words, they are what I call leftist identitarians. They think that if you are... Um, a disciple of identity politics, that makes you left-wing, when it absolutely doesn't, because, of course, identitarianism is the worst excesses of the right and the left. On the right, you've got this awful racist xenophobia, that that form of the, the kind of rhetoric that Trump pushes, that's a form of identitarianism. On the other side, you've got the far left, who will who will see everything through the prism of race. So uh, so actually, listen to the arguments, don't just assume that you know what we're This doing, happened you know? recently, actually, and, and it, you know, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty... You can kind of understand why people went, oh, Jonathan Pye's a right-wing cunt, because, excuse me, you're going to have to edit this a little <laughs> bit. But, um, so I did, we did, uh, did a piece recently about how Theresa May's Brexit deal was demonstrably worse than no deal, right? Now, you might not agree with that, but I think that's... I mean, it's pre- it was pretty demonstrably the case. I mean, it was fucking dreadful. It was a terrible, terrible deal. No deal's not great, right? But it was just literally going, look, no deal or her deal, I'd take no deal, right? Now, obviously, that that is an opinion that uh, people across the spectrum of politics are either going to agree or disagree, and by virtue of that, some right-wing people are definitely going to... Because a lot of right-wing people just... A lot of people that voted Brexit are... Uh, crash out, left and right. Let's just get the hell out of here. So, unfortunately, that video was retweeted by Tommy Robinson, of all people. And you go, oh, oh <laughs> thanks, Tommy. Thanks for that one. Yeah, yeah, you Cheers, actually, bud. You, you, know. you, you sullied my own Instagram. Yes, I'm, I'm not even famous. <laughs> and I posted a picture on Instagram yeah, before the 
the show. Tommy bloody. I was like, Tommy fuck! Robinson. How yeah, did that sorry. happen? But by virtue of that, that um, makes you uh, fascist adjacent. Fa- yeah, fa- that's I have the that phrase that's fasc- used now, fascist, fascist adjacent. adjacent. You go, look, I can't help you retweet yeah. it and blah blah blah. And you can kind of go, yeah. In layman's terms, you can kind of look at that and go, well, uh, maybe he's he's uh, speaking to the wrong people. But I mean, I had a lot of people go, oh my god, Tommy Robinson is is now retweeting Jonathan Pye. Well, well, he must be an alt right right wing Nazi. Um, and you just know for a fact that not anyone that has accused me of that has actually bothered to watch the video, you know, and it's just, um, anyway. I think I've managed to get it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. This, this is cathartic, isn't it? It says, it's turned into group the therapist. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good place to bring in the, the designated adult of Jennifer, I think. <laughs> because, I mean, what's it like? If you don't know, Jennifer's American li- that lives in the UK, and I'm sure Sting's going to sing about that in some sort of way, but... What's it like being a spectator on what's going on in the United States right now? Because is it recognisable to you? Um, yes, it is. It is quite recognisable, actually, because of where I grew up. Um, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, and I went to a school where I heard a lot of the same language that we're hearing now on on my way to the bus. I heard xenophobic statements and I heard racist statements and I heard um and that wasn't when we got to school none of that was questioned in the school system which is I think my point here which is that criticality is something that we need to have in the way we engage with the world and I think we've seen that be dismantled and that has led to nobody being able to think through evidence Mm. Um, I I grew up. I sh- I learned to shoot a gun in school. I also raised animals and took them to the farm or to the fair. And I was a fair queen, so I started demolition derbies. And these were people that I hung out with, and they taught me how to raise lambs, and they taught me how to raise pigs, and. They are Trump voters now, and they are people that were formative in my life. So I find it really difficult to look back because those people no longer speak to me because we have polarized. We can't. We cannot find any common ground. Um, and I don't know. There's do you speak to them? Did, did, I mean, is that yeah, coming? No, but that's is, coming both is, ways, right? Like yeah, yeah, none, yeah. none of us are speaking yeah, to each yeah, other yeah, anymore. Sorry, yeah, and yeah. I, as so, my I'm an educator, and I want to create spaces for people to think differently about things, for people to engage with information, with a critical lens, with a kind of slow approach. With we're not making decisions just right now about what we think about this. We're going to talk about this information. We're going to think about this information and we're going to leverage that into something bigger than us. And I don't think that we have that space anymore in society. I think that's been slowly degraded. Um, I know I saw that in my school where I went, where I went to high school, right? Like we, I wanted to study Spanish. So I, studied Spanish for the maximum amount of time I could in my high school. In my final year in high school, we wanted to fly to Spain, and this is in 1994. And we raised the money, and then we went to the school board, and all they needed to do was sign off on the insurance. 
and the nine members of the school board wouldn't do it because they were afraid of terrorists and that the plane would be shot down. And I remember, we, I remember this was the logic behind this and this was the argument that was given to us and I spoke on behalf of my classmate. So we never got that opportunity to go to Spain. It was my one chance, right, to use, um, to, to leave the country. I'd never left the country before 1998, 1999. I'd never left except for going to Canada. Um, so I, I, I find... I find it really difficult to look at the U.S. because on the one hand, I kind of empathize with the, the anger that people have around what's happened in that community where I grew up. There's no jobs. Things feel like they're shifting. Like equality can sometimes feel difficult if you have people of other religions, if you have people of other genders, if you have people of other races claiming power within those systems and that feels upsetting and nobody has managed that conversation in a way that meets people where they're at and as an educator that's my job so that's i don't know did no, i just that, ramble no, way no, too perfect because that actually sets me up because i, I think <clears throat> the theme of jonathan pie as american pie ollie I mean, you might be a good one to answer this is that it's kind of debate versus conversation. We've almost gone for this tribalism of debate versus if we had an inclusive conversation, we might not be letting down these certain demographics which then vote in ways which might be offensive to us. Is that is that the basic gist of what the film is? Well, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, it is about having a conversation. But, but, you know, and I think Tom and Andrew get it harder because they're public figures and they've got big Twitter followings and so they'll just get abused the minute they... Yeah, say anything that one way or the other, they're either a big raving snowflake or they're or they're a you know racist Tory bigot, and you can't win. It's like you can't be both. I mean, that's just simple facts. You can't be both. But so I think yeah, the 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 idea was that we were you were meant to be having conversations, and we got slightly. Um, you know, done on that one because we 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 spoke to white nationalists. If you haven't seen the show, there's a segment where we speak to this guy called William Johnson, who's a who's a white nationalist, and um, he's a odd odd character because he's incredibly uh, charming. He's right? lovely. He's quite self-effacing, <laughs> like just a nice. Uh, it sounds weird saying it, but that's what he was. Now, that doesn't mean I can't also not agree with his views. Do you know what I mean? But um, he was incredibly polite, incredibly welcoming to us. You know, he had a family. He couldn't, he didn't know the ages of most of his own children. But you know, he bits that didn't make the show. But you know, he was, he was a confused, and he was confused because here he was living in LA, which is full of full of immigrants you know this is somewhere he shouldn't really feel at home but that has been his home and again you know we 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 got kind of some people were like oh you gave six minutes over to a white nationalist but we questioned him on his points what you're saying is kind of abhorrent why do you feel like that etc and nobody else had that you know the usual mentality is to go well we just won't speak to this person he's horrible and he is but if you don't speak to him you'll never know if you don't show him to be his views to be horrible i, th- I think i think what know. also he ser- he served a really big purpose in it in that it, if everyone that votes for trump is an alt-right white supremacist well let's go and interview 
an alt-right white supremacist. Yeah, and, and and then everyone else that we 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 talked to afterwards suddenly sounded fucking reasonable. And and then when you could hear a Trump voter talking reasonably, I think hopefully your brain went kunk. Oh shit. Um, and it confuses the fuck out of you a bit because these people are talking about policy and this guy's talking about uh, wiping anyone with different skin colour. Ethnic uh, He's basically talking about ethnic He also didn't you know. agree with all of Trump. This is the other thing. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. And this is, this is my point about politics, I think, and, and generally at the moment, and that we've been pushed to extremes. And that so you've got, you've got a situation where he voted for Trump. He was actually... On his ticket, wasn't he, or whatever they call that at the time, I can't remember. Yeah, he, he, was like he a, put his a name nominee or something. Yeah, where yeah, he, yeah. he then stepped down because the 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 Republican Party were like, "Shit, we can't have this raving racist on the on uh, part." We can't have one as vice president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> weird. Uh, Catholic. Is, uh, anyway, but um, anyway, he didn't agree with a lot of Trump. Right, with a lot of probably because he wasn't extreme enough, but he also he was a massive environmentalist, right? Yeah, right. So he didn't agree with Trump's kind of you know um, uh, opinions about uh, about climate change. He wasn't stupid. Do you know what I mean this is not a stupid guy? Uh, he's, he was a lawyer. Uh, for weirdly, most of his clients were Japanese, but again, just he was a walking mystery. But um, he. He wasn't quite what he wanted. Trump wasn't quite what he wanted, right? But he voted for him, right? And then you'll have... I can guarantee you'll have a load of people on the left and you, you know from maybe friends in America who would have voted for Hillary but probably didn't agree with lots of Hillary's policy. So what you're left with is a lesser of two evils, right? Or in... in and this, this plays out in British politics as well, is the last election, the argument is... Oh, well, the, if you were a Brexiteer, the argument is, well, 80% of the country or 80% of the electorate uh, voted to, to, to leave the European Union. It's not strictly true. What happened was you had sh two shit choices, right? And you, you had to vote for a lesser of two evils. And that, so you, you're never going to find all the things you want in, in there. So within Trump, within that phenomenon of Trump, is all these shades. And it's, I think the point Tom and Andrew were trying to make when when they wrote it have made is that that is a that is a shades of Trump, you know, and and to assume yeah, yeah, that the so darkest yeah. shade is that's that's all Trump's people racist, and that's not tonight they're on, or that I might think he's a bit of an idiot, but they're not all like that. Do you know what I mean? And but that, but that that's how they've got to vote because there isn't another, there isn't a third way in America, and there's barely a third way here anymore. So you've got to vote for one of those two. And what what was interesting about the majority? I mean, and actually, William Johnson was said actually exactly the same. But most people that I spoke to that voted for Trump would concede that he's an idiot, which we which you never get here. They go, oh, my God, he's so annoying. Oh, I wish he'd get off Twitter. Oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. But his policies work for me. They were so up on policy, these guys. You wouldn't believe it. They're smart, a lot of them, smart as fuck. And they hated Hillary. And then when you said why, they could give you a list of ten reasons. Not just she's a woman. Not just she's a woman. It's I hate. Yes, it never just because she's a woman. Uh, always because her policies were awful. Uh, she's in the pockets of big business, and Donald Trump's in the pockets of big business. But he he put out that I'm a self-made man, and hey, I'm I'm the uh, you know, and they bought it. That's the only thing that I couldn't forgive them yeah, is they that they thought he told the truth all the time, and and they thought he was for real. That I could never get my head round. 
but they do think he's an idiot, but the policies are better. And, and there is nothing wrong with voting for strong borders, strong economy. Um, uh, you know, you know it, that's OK. Um, and he did promise them. Um, I was amazed at how, how smart a lot of these people were. I don't know if that's something that you recognise, though, or, or do you not? <laughs> Clearly, well, not, maybe not. <laughs> to be fair, I was on the blue belts, you know, so I was, yeah. I was in these people that, that I, I mean, if you're living in the blue belts and you voted Trump, you better know your shit. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, um, but they were smart. What's your opinion on that, Jennifer? Go on, you must have one. Well, I mean, I, I feel really, un I feel a bit uncomfortable speaking as a, as, as yeah, the American. Yeah, so just to put you here. as a representative. Um, and I haven't lived there for 14 years, right? So, um, no, I'm, I, I think there's very, very clever people who have voted for Trump. And I think Hillary was highly problematic and a stupid move on the Democratic Party. Um, I think a lot of what we're seeing is a crisis in capitalism and that has manifested on both sides that people wanted to throw a wrench in the system because it's not working. It's not working for huge swaths of humanity, let alone I mean, Americans. It, it seems right? to me, and I don't know if this is right, but it seems to me what's happening globally with the populist movement, left and right kind of thing, but it is finally a, 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 a pushback against the banking crisis where, where almost a decade on we go, you've, you've done nothing, you've changed nothing. And Hillary represented the same old and, and, and the, the referendum staying in literally was, we're better off in, I know it's shit, but we're better off in. You know, oh, we'd be better off economically. Well, better off economically doesn't mean anything if you haven't had a pay rise in 10 years. Do you, do you know what I mean? So I, I think we are seeing, finally, Trump is in the White House. Maybe it's time we should maybe... Yeah, I, th I, think, I think you're absolutely right there. And to, to kind of bring that to our themes of, of drug law reform, of that's what happens when you get a social economic breakdown. People get lost in that shuffle, don't they? Mm. You get some really really bad demographics that are going through a lot of hell and of course that manifests through addiction and things like that and that's the point of this whole show this you know broad narrative is you know we've almost got to a tribalism in politics we we think we know what we subscribe to and we see that on social media all the time if if we support drug law reform which most intelligent people do i'm, I'm sorry to put that out there that the, the evidence is just overwhelmingly there every so often you get someone that doesn't agree with you but it's more to do with the fact that they know what they don't want as opposed to what they do want. And that's where discontentment can come in sometimes. Of people, Do you get a feeling, Andrew, that people know what they don't want more than they do want? Yeah, I mean, if you say, um, what, uh, what does Hillary stand for? That's sort of a hard question to answer, not being Trump, I suppose. And that was uh, brought up a lot in the film, wasn't it? Yeah. And, by and, John uh, Sopel as well, not by us. And then, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was the, he was the first one that laid that. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was his main point. You know, and you, this is the BBC dude. He knows what he's talking about, and he's there going. Hillary was absolutely awful, and and I mean, we got quite a lot of criticism. I mean, let's let's face it, 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 it was not well reviewed. Uh, Jonathan Pye's American Pie, but Guardian that's because the we the Guardian loved it. They do. <laughs> they I mean, love they, everything. They, they we love do. me. They love they everything. Love the, the Guardian, yes, they really do. Um, but but uh, that you know that we were going over old ground by stating how bad Hillary was. I still don't think that that's been made clear, certainly over here to our audience. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't speak to one person 
whether they voted for her or not, but I didn't speak to one person that voted for her that voted for her enthusiastically. I didn't meet one. She might be running again, of course. Whereas I met loads of people that voted for Trump enthusiastically, hard as that is to believe. I mean, and I have this narrative that everyone keeps having a pop at, but going that Sanders would have done better. I really do again. I think he would have done better under against Trump because they would have been two extraordinary candidates. Because you have a socialist, which is is ridiculous to think of in America, and yet they both had almost exactly the same energy behind them. That groundswell. And Sanders could have wiped the floor with him in 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 a, in the debate. Whereas Hillary, um, not only did she have to wipe the floor with with Trump, she also had to look like a statesman. And we've never we don't know what that looks like. So she just kept calm and quiet, and and it was almost the right call, but it was the wrong call. She should have slapped him round the face and said, "Don't speak to me like that, you asshole." And she should have, you know, um, uh, uh, that might well it might have worked better, you know. Um, but I really do think that that that. I mean, Sanders v Trump. That would have been that would have, that would have been anybody's guess. And of course, actually, it would have seemed stupid at the time because, of course, it wasn't anyone's guess with Hillary Trump. It was a done deal, like it was with Brexit. It's, you know, you can't tell me that Hillary wasn't taking handover meetings in the Oval Office uh, in the run up to the election. It was a, it was a it was a fait accompli, which is why she fucking lost. Which is is, is why we're leaving the EU because the minute Cameron called it. it it was a done deal. And the minute it's a done deal, the minute you ignore the electorate, they, 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 do, they put their cross where you don't want them to. And the perception of her as this dynastic uh, right to be president, that's certainly the perception that, that, that people felt she had this kind of arrogance about her. And, um, you know, the fact that yesterday she, the news broke that she's been telling close friends she's thinking of running again in 2020, which would be, of course, the worst thing that the Democrats could possibly do at this point. Um, but she doesn't get it. I don't think she gets it. I don't think she understands why there is that level of resentment uh, towards her. Um, and it's a point that we raised. But like Tom said, I mean, there's criticism that, well, this is old, old ground, isn't it? But people still haven't really accepted it, have they? No, they still they're, haven't they're, they're still They're still buying the narrative that Trump won because everyone in America is racist. We're still mired in this ridiculous narrative uh, that we're, we're leaving the EU because we are in a racist country. We're one of the most tolerant countries in the world. And we've seen a spike in hate crime because, of course, we've had six months, more than two years of media narrative saying there are 17.4 million racists in the country. Of course, a few idiots are going to feel emboldened by that. But it's not because there are 17.4 million racists. It's still a massively minority thing in this country, which is totally socially unacceptable. And why and, the media... And, and has absolutely nothing to do with putting your cross next to it. I'd rather no. not be in the EU, Exactly, please. exactly. Uh, by the way, I, I voted to remain, but no, no, no one. Andrew didn't, you might guess, but but no wonder people like me lost that vote with, with that sort of. And this is what American Pie is about. Um, that, that, and actually, I, I really felt when we were making it that that this was a, a very light way of us going. This is where we're going wrong with Brexit, but you can take it away because we're quite good at looking at American. Games. Fucking look, look, we're we're in just as much shit. They are comparable. Uh, the voters aren't uh, the the, elect, the electorate that voted those ways. I don't think they're particularly comparable. Um, what they're voting for, if no. you see what I mean. But but um, but but this this left wing narrative that is still being allowed to be aired, you, but by the same people that say people that voted leave, they're full of hate. They're full of intolerance. And yet in the next sentence, they're writing, anyone that votes differently to me 
is a bigot. And I mean, it's, 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 it's one of the most bigoted you know? things you can possibly say. But they're demonising people they don't know. Yeah. This is the point. And, and, and what they're doing, and they, it happens with Trump, uh, but it certainly happens with Brexit. And Brexit is much more complex. People voted for Brexit for much more different complex reasons. But they are assuming the motive behind why someone votes the way they do. And this is the problem. I think you know, fact has... And we, they, we, we should touch on earlier about facts. And, and this is my thing about drug policy as well. People that don't know it have an opinion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so if you don't... Exactly, but yeah. They've already formed an opinion, you know, and we and I think that that is dangerous. Everybody forms it. It's the same thing when the... And I'm not saying Theresa May's deal is good, right? I'm saying a 500-page document that came out, half the politicians you then saw in the following week comment on it hadn't read it. I think there's a fundamental... And this is yeah. a real problem. This is a real problem. I just, I just across the board, I think, I, you I, know... Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree... People don't have facts. I don't disagree you, with you on that. I don't disagree with you on that. But where I think... You're in error. Is the assumption? No, I'm, I'm not being. I'm missed, you've I'm missed not, us. I'm not being. In, I'm not being impolite. I don't yeah. think. What I'm saying is, you don't need to have an intricate understanding of the EU, or indeed uh, an intricate understanding of what the ramifications would be with leaving the EU to vote on a broad principle that matters. And the broad principle, as we know from the Ashcroft polls after the EU. The, the, the main reason why people voted to leave was the principle that laws that govern this country should be made in this country. That is a, a very easy to understand principle that people did understand and they voted for it. The main reason why people voted to remain, incidentally, is uh, the belief that we'd be more economically secure, which is, again, a, a good principle uh, to vote on. I could say to people, you know, do you understand what, how the European Commission works? Can you name me people in the European... It doesn't matter if they can or can't. It's the same with any manifesto in any general election. You're given a manifesto. It is not a, an intricate... 500-page uh, document outlining all of the policies and how it's going to be implemented. It is a bullet point uh, shortcut which tells you the broad principles and you vote on those principles and that is a good thing. That's how democracy works. This is fascinating for one, well, two reasons. One, we've never really had an argument on the panel before. <laughs> so I, don't think it's that's incredible. I think it's a disagreement. Uh, in a that's exactly it. It's, it, it's a conversation and you're doing yeah. it per both perfectly because you're, you're kind of... I will take him outside. All right, OK, we're going to go <laughs> I know he'll destroy him, yeah. <laughs> but that's, you've, you've, you've discussed it. You've reasoned out your arguments and that's the point of what we're making here is that you need that conversation which you've just had. We've seen it in process. And we've got an example of that right now on our social media page. John over the back there can be a, to test to this is that over the weekend there was a, a story that came out, came out about racist um, policies. Well, it's framed that way anyway, racist policies in the police or stopper searches, mm. which is something we've had to address a lot because it, the, the facts speak for themselves that it's the, the policy doesn't look great. It really doesn't. But then there is another side to this, that it's, it's not necessarily the police that institutionalised and racist. It's a broader picture. You know, it's about how social interactions happened and our chairman wrote a piece on this. And it's been quite a hotly contested issue, hasn't it? It really is. To the point where it's what you've been discussing has been playing out across our social media of us versus them. Mm. It's like, no, they are racist, no, they're not. And it's really difficult to break that cycle and go, actually, no, let's just talk about this. Let's discuss this. Nuance has kind of disappeared. I'm sure yeah, Andrew yeah, agree yeah, with that as yeah. well. The, the, the nuance in all these debates, whether it's about drug policy, whether it's about yeah, knife crime and, and stop and search, whether it's about Trump and Hillary, whether that's about Brexit, the nuances of all these debates have kind of... And I, I feel, and people that are more intelligent than me will maybe tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like that has got worse you know because we have had whether you voted out or whether you vote remain whether you voted trump or voted hillary you know um 
that polarisation has happened because they're, they're such big subjects, you know, the, 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 the EU say, debate and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and staying in or out is the biggest decision we've all made as a generation yeah. for, you know, 40-odd years, right? And and so w what happens is that I think people are a bit loose, you know, with their, with their time. So you get all this kind of... Oh, you know, we, we 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 won wars. We can get through all oh, this ridiculous. I mean, there's no nuance to I suddenly. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. You agree that the <clears throat> nuance is gone. On but both but, sides. but also, especially with 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 particular subject matters uh, that that are in the news all the time, uh, but but are difficult to have a discussion about. So, for for example, I mean, I spoke to. I've spoken to, and I was, I'm sure we've all had discussions about the Me Too movement and, and how things have moved on, but I spoke to a huge amount of people, women, uh, that found that movement extraordinarily patronising. Now, that's their opinion. Um, they might be right, they might be wrong, but they would always say, I would never say that in public. So there's no debate to be had. So, so, so the, the line is, that is the line and you have to stick. To it. The trans debate is a really interesting, well, it's not really a debate at the moment, is it? It, it, it is, you are either, um, there is no discussion to be had. You, you are a, either a transphobe or a turf, as they're called, or you tow the line. And I think there are a lot of people who want to not even disagree, have a debate about what it means to be a woman. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a pretty reasonable debate to have it's a debate that that is not allowed to to happen uh, at the moment um and and uh, and if someone offers an opinion that you disagree with and you find that opinion offensive uh, who gives a shit um if it is done in a polite manner uh, people should be able to express their opinions no matter how abhorrent or Pretty reasonable because then that, that's the only way you can persuade them of your argument if you know their argument. And if it's closeted, how do you do anything about you that? You can't position? do anything about it. Exactly. Yeah. And that must be quite interesting for you, Jennifer, being in this working environment of mm. you've had differences of opinion within, within students, no doubt. So, what do you do? How do you present evidence? How do you go about constructing a conversation on those what we call third rail issues? <sighs> So I've taught classes on gender, sexuality, and health, and I've taught classes on drug policy, right? And people come into the classroom with enculturated views, right? They're exactly what they're supposed to know about and think about drugs, because that's the narrative that fits in this cultural context. So it's a process of kind of questioning some of those assumptions and some of that evidence that we've been given, right? Like. Um, and that requires a classroom in which people feel uh, that they can express some of those things. And I've seen that. And I've seen really powerful transformations in moments about ideas that people hold about race and about gender. And that requires trust in me as a facilitator. It requires trust in the people that they share that classroom with. Um, some of the people sitting here right now, I have shared a classroom with me and have come to reframe the way they look at a topic. And I guess that's my point around all of this is that I think in society we need to protect those spaces. And I don't see those spaces happening in lots of 
universities and in schools. We've got this banking model of education where we have information and we give it to people. We don't show it to them and help them think about it and question it and get messy with it and be honest with those assumptions that we make. We all have assumptions that we make about other people in our society. All of us do. Um, and, you know, understanding that gender is something that is socially constructed is really difficult to get your head around. It was really difficult for me to get my head around that cocaine is not instantly terrible for you. I grew up thinking that if I did that, I would die. And that was what Nancy Reagan wanted me to understand about it. And that was false. And it takes a lot of courage and... To be you vulnerable. Changed over the last 14 years, your your students' general reaction to drug policy definitely has, has that that must have changed. Those assumptions must have so my, my, changed a little bit, right? I mean, my assumptions around drugs only changed five years ago, right? I mean, I I didn't have my first alcoholic beverage until I was 21 years old because I was terrified of alcohol, right? Like I I I grew up That's in tragic. that. It is tragic. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I've made up for it. Um, <laughs> No, I don't think it has changed. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 you can ask some students in here. A lot of people come into the classroom with really firm beliefs and ideas, which I think are completely natural because they were enculturated into that. That was the narrative that people wanted them to have. Um, and I, 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 I think it's a tremendous privilege to work in a, in a space where people can think differently about that. And I wish I could go back to my elementary school teacher who I know voted for Trump, who only listens to Fox News, who is only voting on one issue, which is abortion, which is a huge topic in the US. And so, but I can't, how, how, can, how can we create those spaces? And that's what I ask my students to think about is in our classroom is a time for us to reframe the way we think about these things and we need to protect that and create that in other spaces. We were just having a discussion the other day about this woke ads that are out now, right? So Gillette puts out mm -hmm. the, the, the best a man can be, right? I think it's actually quite an interesting ad. I think it's actually got an interesting message, but I think that feeds into this lack of nuance and, oh, we just put an ad out there, it's 60 seconds long, and now I'm woke. And is Gillette, do they own the corner on that dialogue? I don't think they should. I think it's interesting that they're using that. I think Nike, always, all of these companies are using the platform they have, but it should, be taking that conversation elsewhere and allowing all of us, everyone, to acknowledge the, the assumptions that we make about different groups of people. I think that's a really interesting example, though, because the the, re the Gillette advert, I mean, I, it strikes me as incredibly cynical, actually, uh, because after all... I, I thought it was pretty grim. Uh, uh, yeah, say, ev yeah, everyone's talking about it now. We're even doing it now, you see. So it has worked, and I, I feel that, that that was really the point. And the, the, the response to it wasn't people... You know, obviously, pretty much everyone knows that if two boys are fighting, you you break it, that fight up. This is not new information, and we certainly don't need a major multi-million corporation telling us how to be good. 
Um, or, or, I, I, or, I think, or, or not to sexually assault women. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, I, I don't need Gillette to tell me that. And also, they, they, uh, and that was the problem with it. People weren't upset about the message. People are upset about being hectored and patronised. That's uh, the problem. And, and being told mm. that, that. But people, that women you, you're, you're are tired bad... of being sexually assaulted. Of and, course they are. But, and but, I think. But do you think the Gillette advert for razors is going to is going to no? And to that's help exactly my stop that? that's exactly my point is that we live in a society where a lot of these where you can sell razors off sexual abuse. That <laughs> just seems really bizarre to me. Really. Yes, I I, I don't think that the, we should be selling razors about sexual assault, but I also do think that um, that there are. F nuances around what that brought up and that's what we need to take on and continue talking about and they shouldn't have the final say in that and it should open up debate and it should open up informed debate and discussion yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah my opinion yeah, yeah, goes back yeah. to this two extremes is that the people were reacted in one of two ways so why why did you react? Why did P why did Piers, Piers Morgan have such a problem with it? But, like, yeah. I give a oh, shit. But he, yeah, no, right, but no, he's, no, no, he's no. getting a lot of traffic as well. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of I mean, it's all because he wants people talking about. It. And then so it was either that reaction of Piers Morgan, or it's like, whoa, it's a brilliant advert. Yeah, you know, it's like there's no nuance in between. It's like, oh, okay. That's that's exactly let's move it. On. That's exactly yeah, the like, point. Is that we've got this tribalism again? It's polarization. Okay, so don't you think well, we should we should. It does just matter. Because clearly it's sort of... Uh, it does matter. Um, because we're being told... It, it, it's the acceptable thing. It, woke is now the acceptable way, and uh, and and it's breeding. It, it it's it's finding its claws into it. And it, you know, and, and if you you're anti this sort of woke movement, you're you're then portrayed as someone that is a rape apologist, or that you know, if you didn't like the Gillette advert, it means you're a bastard. You know, and it, um, uh, you know, we, we, which is there, there, There's an article in the Guardian the other day. Always the fucking Guardian. You know, is this the end of stand-up comedy? Woke comedy is that is blah 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 and i think there, there is a place for um comedy in a safe space and comedy where people feel you know and they're not going blah, 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 blah. but but don't tell me that is the way to do it but and and that seems to be the way this this sort of I think, uh, so, movement I, I think, is going i think that's a, a really important point is that i think we should install all this earlier i think what you're saying is right that we need we need to be have that nuance in that debate but, we have but i think debate, but i think we should yeah. have it uh, i think we should be reinstalling critical thinking in schools i think i th i mean i used to teach critical thinking at a school and honestly it was perceived as the DOS subject but people people now don't understand on both sides I'm not talking about any particular tribe or whatever but they don't understand that as soon as you insult someone you've lost the argument it's an ad hominem attack as soon as you intuit motive this is basic stuff that goes back centuries we should know this and and, and when I see sort of adults failing uh, to to fulfill these requirements I get really really troubled and I think I think I think the danger as well I understand what you're saying. We need that space. But, but for instance, we still need to have a space. We don't want to replace one narrative with another equally closed-minded narrative. So I, I consider the woke movement to be equally closed-minded. I mean, we can have a disagreement. About, for instance, you will say that gender is uh, socially constructed. I don't believe it is. I think it's a, uh, a very complex relationship between biological aspects and social aspects. And I think that's really what it is. And that, that's, a, that's something we should... But, we shouldn't just replace the biological essentialism with social constructionism. That's not helpful. That's another creed. You know, so, so I think we need so exactly what Ollie's saying. I think we need the nuance. I think, and, and I think that goes back to how we educate our young. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I do agree. In America, this is interesting, they, and you know, they have much more. There's debating clubs, and, and this is what when when Tom says about speaking to a lot of Trump supporters, you're like, oh, they're going to be a bit dumb, and actually they're not. It's yeah. because in a lot of education from people I've spoken to, maybe that's the middle kind of classes in America, but they still have debate clubs. These things, that, uh, unless you go to some posh school here, you're never going to do. I mean, we barely did languages at my school, let alone debating, right? Mm. So I, it, is, it is a really, really good... And if you instill it earlier, rather than you get to wait till you get to university, and then it's like, think for yourself. It's like, well, I haven't, I've had 18 years of never thinking for myself because I'm a fucking idiot. I'm just, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't encourage to spoon feed at school. Get drunk. I had a kid once saying to me, don't, don't tell me, but just tell me what I need to say in the exam. Literally, just let me yeah, reproduce but, what. Yeah, but I used to do that all the yeah, time. Yeah, I know. I just but, want the A grade. I don't care what. But that's you, the, you know, that's the problem then. But if, if kids were taught how to think rather than what to think, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have this. That, and that is the, that's why I was asking about the drug. Uh, just general views of your students with drugs is that yeah. actually if we taught slightly more liberal, for want of a better word, but, you know, just more open discussion about drugs from an earlier age, yes. you know, you just understand. I, I just, I still struggle. And this is whatever it was, a year, two years ago, that we had this conversation about after Dem when I'd been to Denver, and I think that was 2016, and I was saying, you know, there's only one party that seems to be kind of just bringing it up. Let's have a discussion about drug reform or at least marijuana reform. So we're, nothing's happened. You know what I mean? We've got lost in, in Brexit. I mean, also, with regards to drug reform, I mean, if, if you wanted to win the next election and appear progressive... You, you stick legalising marijuana in your, in your uh, manifesto. We're ready for it. It would it would fly like that. You know, like how we did we didn't actually have a national debate about gay same sex marriage in this country, whereas they they did in Australia, and I didn't actually have a problem with them having a national debate because all that fucking homophobic scum rose to the top, and you can just scrape it off and go now fuck off, shut up, and you won the debate, and you won the debate hands down. Uh, I got into a lot of trouble for saying I don't think it's a bad thing to have this debate, but we didn't have to have the debate here because we were ready for it and it feels like we're ready for the marijuana i mean the fact that america i mean canada's just gone fucking skin one up it's yeah. fine but but um the fact that america are ahead of us in in that um i think we're i think it's ju it's just ready to go and i mean if 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 corbyn wanted to win back some some love you just stick it in your next manifesto mate you you you've because also it, it's it's a it's uh 
statement. It's a policy. It's something different. It's something we can have a debate. And let's have a debate about it. And maybe he'll lose the debate. But 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 that's the I mean, I mean, The Lib Dems brought it, brought it up, and there was no debate. Yeah, but because also because the Lib Dems brought it up. Lib no, that's what. That's but also what, the Lib Dems brought it up. It was about a decade ago, I think they said. Well, we weren't. Was it in their last? It was in their last. They've been consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. It, there's, it's, there's a weird movement at the moment because you've got a lot of support in the Conservatives, you've got a lot of support in Labour, but it's still fragmented. They're, those two troops are joining up. But so again, you've got it's, this thing, it's this thing about opinion over evidence. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. And actually, you just go, look, the, 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 uh, as, as you always say, the, you know, the, the, the data's in, right? You know, I mean, it can help, you know, tens of thousands of patients. Um, you know, it, it's there. It's re- it's ready to go. I don't know why they're not. And, and it feels like a breach of our human rights because because you've still you've still got you've got this drug that's ready to go and it's fucking brilliant and it's it's brilliant. Um, and yet you've still got these people go. Oh well, yes, but we don't want everyone stoned all the time. And you go, no, no, you know, it's ready to go. And that that totally taps in to everything that goes on in our sector. Of you've got. The debate raging, but you've got some people saying, "No, I'm not engaging with that person anymore because they don't debate on evidence." They just go. But basically, people don't engage with Pete Hitchens. That's what I'm getting at. No, but then yeah. you've got other people going, "No, we really need to because we need to air that debate." Like you said, Tom, we need to get that that scum to rise. I'm not calling it Pete Hitchens scum because I actually quite <laughs> like him, but it needs to rise to the top, and you need to do something about that. And that's that's the whole point of why we've constructed this podcast is we need to air these opinions. So his yeah. point is his point is. What is it still mainly that it's an entry drug? Is that still is? He of, believes in the whole um, psychosis thing. Yeah, he of thinks there's the, actual medical ramifications. Yeah. Yes, but by virtue of that, if there was, I mean, I have to say, I am a bit of a prude when it when I walk down the street and I see a, a few kids and they stink a skunk, I go, oh, oh, come on, guys, because that that I mean, it, there is a problem there, right? But actually, if we brought it back in, uh, uh, and and we could. Yeah, it really pains me when I when I can smell these teenagers smoking skunk. You go, you are turning your brain to mush, um, and it, and it does feel more um, uh, socially addictive. And 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 you know, that's the strange uh, thing. Uh, is the and culture, by virtue of that, I think I think we do need to. Uh, and and there is that downside. There is a debate to be had. It's not let's just give out a load of free weed. Um, no, there there is a serious debate to be had about how how we'd go about doing that. And the first thing to do is allow doctors to prescribe it, and then we can gently, bit by bit, as long as it's not, you know, super strength bongs, you know, <laughs> going down, <laughs> which I wouldn't object to. That's, that's where it completely fits in with what we do, because as soon as you air that, it means that we can come in with things like, we don't want a free fall, we want adult responsible use. Yeah. yeah. We've got people in this room like, Greg at the back there. You know, Greg, are you eating your dinner, by the way? <laughs> Greg, <laughs> he, he, he's the chairman of the UK CSE, which is the United Kingdom Cannabis Social Club. So around London, there'd be little like pubs for cannabis. And that's an adult responsible use. You know, Greg's there going, you know, be 21 Is that what over. you grow, you bring? Yeah, is that right? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, we, we did one with Arthur Jones, who's the, uh, the North Wales PCC. We had him in a cannabis club, which was, uh, what was it, November last year? Very interesting, having a very, very senior cop in a cannabis club. Mm. There was, there was, Getting I, absolutely baked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was hot-boxed. <laughs> Actually, should we have some questions? Because now we've got about another 10 minutes, so let's have some questions. There must be someone. Greg, go on, you must there. Need a microphone. Can you, can you come down, talk on the mic, so we can get you on there? While you were in the States, 
Yeah, right down here. Yeah. <laughs> While you're in the states, did you, you know, did you get a chance to speak to people about like how they felt about legalization, sort of like sweeping across? There's like 50 states in America. Half of them have got some kind of recreational or medical legalization bill that allows people to not be criminalized for it. Was that, you know, was it, uh, was it, you know, something that was obvious while you were out there, or was it, it not quite? It didn't. It didn't come up in in many conversations, but you could smell it in California. You could smell it everywhere, um, and everyone's chewing CBD. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it just seems totally normal, yeah. totally normalised. But again, I was I noticed the difference between when I was out there a few years ago. You go, I can smell it. And that's slightly, and maybe it's me just being a bit um, conservative, small C about yeah, it. Yeah, do you think it's the media uh, has planted this seed in your mind that, oh no, I can smell skunk? No, it no, must no, be but bad. because, be because then you, you might want to cut this out because I'm not sure, you know, but I've smoked a, a reasonable amount of weed in my time and I know the difference bet between what that smelly stuff can do and to what the other one can do, you know? And so when I smell it and I go, oh, Someone's not leaving the house today. Do you, do you know what I mean? You know, uh, I mean, like, someone's going to... Do you want uh, that in the podcast? Can you get rid of that, please? Yeah. In regards to, like, you know, smelling kids, you know, smoking skunk on the streets, you, you, you know, no one really wants to see or smell that. You know, they're kids. They shouldn't be accessing it. And the reason they are is because prohibition hasn't actually allowed, you know, hasn't stopped them from, from accessing it. Yeah. Uh, but... The, the same cannabis that they're, they're smoking is the same cannabis that medical cannabis users use. It's, you know, this, it's, it might be grown in a nice, slightly nicer environment, but strain for strain, there's not much difference, really. Uh, well, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, um, if I were to still smoke uh, weed, <laughs> I, I, I know that I don't want... Something that's going to I don't want up. smelly weed near me. Well, this I, do you know, I don't, I mean, I, it does, I don't want it. Ollie's you know. a good one to speak, actually. Yeah, yeah, edibles. It's probably very fun. But Jesus. this is, but this is, this is my thing about the kind of sensible debate around this, right? Is that, <clears throat> and weirdly in Denver, that we did one of the episodes was about um, uh, the grow, right? So we met a guy, brothers, who set up um, a medicine. They were called Medicine Man, and they uh, they had a massive grow, and they. They were really, really firm about they'd just as you would with drink, like you don't want a load of people working in your factory who go out and have four beers at lunchtime, right? Um, unless you're working with certain editors in television who do that. <laughs> but if you, um, <clears throat> they equally didn't want somebody just to get half baked at lunchtime and come back and work in their weed factory, right? So they would drug test their own staff in a in a company that made weed products, right? But that's that's the kind of point, do you know what I mean? Is that that's the adult bit. It's like, yeah, we can all have a drink, but I don't want somebody coming... I don't want my kids' teachers coming to work drunk, just as I wouldn't want them coming to work stoned, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. just have a sensible debate in in that way. So... And I think the problem is that sometimes you get those kind of reactionary, knee-jerky people like a Peter Hitchens and there are loads of others who just wouldn't... Again, it's just not really about nuance. It's about, it's intradrug, my brother did this or my... You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Christ. Yeah, it's like anything. I mean, there are alcoholics. Do you, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. so by virtue of that, yes, you, you're going to... Um, but, but, I mean, if you look at the medical evidence, I can't believe it's not, mm. it's not readily available to... to 
to certain people with with certain ailments, whether it be up here or, or you know, Physically. I mean, the, literally, it, it it you know, it's MS. I think it's it's you know, it's, it's, that's the only real licensed uh, use for it in the UK. Yeah, they've got epilepsy for the for the children, but yeah. it's like you know, between 20 and 200 children that should be able to access that. Yeah. Only two of them are. Yeah. I've got Crohn's disease. I, yeah. I was told I was going to die back in 2010 yeah. within a few years. I've been on chemotherapy drugs, loads yeah. of opiates. Um, I got denied a, a, you know, a, you know, a prescription within the last few weeks. Yeah. I, I, you know, even though it's legal, there's no real bureaucratic block for it. Yeah. I can't access it though. Yeah. But now you can eat your dinner. I can eat my See? dinner after, that's, that's I've had a, after I've had some vape. Yeah, after a vape. <laughs> though, so. <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't going to get you on these subjects because, you know, we had so much more to talk about. But I mean, it's fascinating. You have got those insights, so thank you for that. And but it is true. It's again exactly what you said, Ollie. If we can just have the debate where these kind of positions come out, where you don't have to cover the microphone and go, yeah, look, I, I can shoot. Oh, it's it. fine. I'm kind of because <laughs> I, I mean, I do it as well because you know, I, I'm. This is how I got into this in the first place. I'm a medicinal consumer because of you know housebound illness, and now I'm doing this to just kind of you know dovetail with that. And and that's how Ollie and I met, and this is why he's now three times on the show and. I think we need to get you a gold watch or oh, something. Yeah, lovely, like, so. That's <laughs> so. lovely. Yeah, yeah. But we've yeah. got a time for, I think, like potentially one or two more questions, if they're quick. Thanks for that, Greg, by the way. If you could come up to the mic, if that's all right. Normally, we're on a handheld, so I can come to you, but we tried to do it with a bit more kind of informality. Um, so I've heard a lot from you three about what you think about drug policy and the the topics associated with that I'd really be curious to hear what Jennifer has to say on uh, this topic if she's willing to, to share yeah I, um, I mean I think going back to what you were saying right like you, you see young so a group of young people using a substance and I think what in my experience of talking this through is it helps us to take the focus away from that substance and think about what is leading to that use and what are what's happening in that social environment that might help us to decrease any kind of problematic use and I think um, for me I am I support full legalization and that doesn't mean a free-for-all. That means a discussion about how we use these substances. They are historically part of the human condition, and I think that people are going to use them, so we make them as safe as possible. And we take the focus away from just talking about these as evil substances. They gain their meaning in the context in which they're used. And I think that it forces us to have big, broad discussions around what kind of society do we want to be in. Most people who have problematic use have other things going on in their lives that actually make that problematic. Um, and the kind of classic rat park, right? It's not the drug, it's the cage. It's, it's thinking about environmental things. And we can use drugs as an excuse to discount groups of people. And that has been done historically, and I think we need to acknowledge that. And um, I think, for me, drug policy has been a really em empowering topic to bring into a classroom to kind of talk about really big stuff. Mm. It's really interesting. In, in my, my, I was in Australia recently, and, and I mean, in so many respects, Australia is so sort of 30 years ago, you know. But you walk around Sydney and, I mean, there are um, 
safe drug points everywhere. Every toilet has uh, needle exchange, uh, needle, blah, 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 blah. And I remember the first time I was there just thinking, is this right? And, and my sister works, uh, it's one of the, it's the biggest homeless centre in the Southern Hemisphere in Sydney. And uh, and when she goes, well, um, you know, deaths from heroin and needle sharing, blah, 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 have reduced by 95% in, you, you just go, oh, okay, that's all I need to know. <laughs> do, you, do you know, it, it works. And, and these people, and they come in and they maybe inject twice a day and then they go about their normal lives. And and yes, they're 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 addicts, and hopefully they won't always be. But they can now get a job, and because they're not spending, you know, it, it's incredible how just these very small, progressive, you know, and and you can understand why people go, oh my god, it's absolutely loony, ridiculous, lefty nonsense. These people, they're allowed to smack up, but you go, yeah, but it saves lives and and creates lives because they, you know. Uh, it's incredible how these tiny little changes in policy that seem really quite radical, but then when the minute you 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 look at the results, you get actually of of course mm. it's so obvious that yeah. that that this is going to uh, help. You know, that's exactly yeah. it, and that's how it, it brings us around full circle because everything we, we discussed is about polarization, and you're either in that camp or that camp. This is exactly it. Drug policy does that. It tends to polarise. But if you just explain it, as you just said, people get it. People understand that tweak here, tweak there, that literally saves a life. Yeah, and the evidence-based bit. You know, so <clears throat> if you don't... It doesn't mean it's going to all go perfectly right. If you, you know, them, Colorado is a perfect example where they medical happened first and then recreational. So <clears throat> they're fully legal. You have to wait a while before those facts, you know, Andrew was talking about earlier, about, you know, just if you haven't got the evidence, you can't just say, I feel that. I feel like it's going to be detrimental. to You know, you have to, and hopefully, I would have said by now, <clears throat> they're going to start to get those evidence-based um, uh, studies back and they'll actually see, has there been a re reduction in crime? Has there been a reduction in uh, kids using all the money that they raised in Colorado? Half of it's earmarked to go back to schools anyway and drug education. That seems like a perfect circle, you know. The only thing I always question is that one about driving, which is hard to test. But I'm, again, you know, I'm sure, let people have a proper grown-up conversation. I'm sure they'll come up, we can put a man on the moon, I'm pretty sure we can come up with a way to test whether you're too stoned to drive a car, you know. So, I think... Well, just if they're going at <laughs> ten miles an hour. I mean, that's not... <laughs> with their head out the window. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a huge evidence base out of <laughs> Portugal, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Portugal is, like a really classic example of what you were just talking about, right? Really high HIV transmission, really high overdose rates. And they said, okay, we need a holistic change. And so moved to decriminalization model. And it's not perfect, but it definitely leads but us. Ours, that's the but thing, but this is certainly not perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've and got kids. Those kids aren't the knife crime thing. Isn't which is the stop and search you're bringing up earlier? So that that isn't kids all stabbing each other because they're stoned out of their brains. They're dealing the drugs. That's what's producing that crime. That's what's producing those stabbings. Not all of them, but you know that's a big part of it. So if if you haven't got a load of adults influencing those kids to deal drugs, if you legalised cannabis for a start, you surely you'd eradicate some of that. I'm, I mean, maybe I mean, I'm, I'm a, a, maybe I'm an idiot. I, but I live, I'm I live sure. just down the road, which is why I agreed to come tonight. <laughs> um, but I mean, what's really interesting over the last, uh, I've been, I've been 
living there what four or five years and and what's really interesting is is as austerity has really started to to i mean at, at certain times a day every other person i bump into is high on crack and and they they are after their next hit i mean it's it's rife to strand surreal. he is he's, he he loves it um <laughs> but uh you know and and that's you know without getting on to my favorite subject but i mean it's all related you know if you cut child services or if you cut um it's even little things like if you cut uh funding for that sports center so the five aside for the for the kids twice a week isn't there anymore well what the fuck else are they going to do it's such a false economy and 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 they all impact Mm -hmm. on on these things so actually you know you want to sort out the drug problem well then you've got to i know it sounds ridiculous but you've got to start up the five-a-side football again and you do you know what i mean it's it's all related and and our holistic approach yeah yeah yeah, absolutely that 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 that, uh, you know it's uh you know, David Cameron's big society, what happened to that? But it is a little bit, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, well, taking I... responsibility across the board and especially taking responsibility for our fucking children because they're kids, do you know what I mean? Educate them and and um, let them have five-a-side football. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you want to say something, No, but, like, we, we started with Trump, right? And if you look at, like, what's happening with the opiate overdose crisis yes. in the U.S., it layers on to areas that have tremendous amounts of pain. The Rust Belt, there's lots of work injuries, and there's no employment anymore. And opiates are really good for making you feel... Well, Jesus like, God, I mean, if you can't num- afford your own health care, but you can get... So, I, you know, I think these we have to have adult conversations around these topics. And, you know, when when my mom goes to the hairdresser and her hairdresser, who's a Trump supporter, says, I need a consumption room for my son because he's using and I want him to be safe. Then there is a point where we can have a conversation that perhaps brings us together. And and I think. I think it is an opportunity because I, I think there's a lot going on with opiate use in the United States and it's a topic that can connect us across these polarised tribes. If we can all petition these three to make Jonathan Pye on weed and opiates, <laughs> I think that is a programme that we Do, do you know, I, I, I have... I, I have you, you say that, I mean, uh, I, I have tried on a couple of occasions. The first ever live gig I did as Pie was something that I'd written for a friend of mine who who is who um, who sadly has cancer, but is living with cancer, but is trying to change the law so that she has access to to cannabis. And, and it was to raise some money for her. And and, uh, and and I wrote this thing about. So I looked into it. Um, and I would love to do a a, a doc about it. Because, like I say, we're, I, I feel we're on the cusp. I feel we're, we're about ready to go. And actually all it needs is, you know, some sweary newsman to, to actually really look into it and go, <laughs> I think I'm right for it, um, for the right money. But, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think we're right for that discussion. And it wouldn't be like, oh, Louis Theroux goes, on, goes and gets stoned. It's like, no, that, that we're, we're kind of ready to go. You know, I think it's perfect material for, for, for pie. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I, I, I would, I, I've got to get Brexit out of the way first. But, but it is it, a subject. It is a subject that yeah, I'm going to sort <laughs> you Brexit. Sort of out. It. Oh, fine. But uh, no, I, it's it's something that is on my radar, and I've been trying to look at fi finding ways ways for for him to to do it because I think it's it, it's important. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up on you then, Andrew. Of it's it's always a question I like to ask: is how important is satire, parody, comedy in general in making points within serious topics? It, is it needed, or is it can it sometimes be crass and crude? Well, I mean, it depends who the satirist is, isn't it? But uh, I, I think on on a broad point, it's it's extremely necessary. Uh, one one of um, my favourite quotes about satire is from W. H. Auden, who said that what distinguishes satire from comedy is that it's it's angry and optimistic because it's a belief that you can change things. Uh, it's, it's raging against something, it's raging against, against power, whereas comedy is more kind of accept resignation to the absurdity of the situation. So that, that's... A, and I think it is... I think it's really important, and we know it's important because powerful people always hate satirists. Erdogan in Turkey will chuck you in prison if you satirise him. Uh, there was the, the guy in Germany uh, with, the, with the, the poem about him uh, uh, fucking a goat. Uh, he wasn't happy with that, um, which is fair enough. Um, <laughs> Um, powerful people, they hate, they hate satire. And, and that's why I know if I satirise, say, the woke culture, it's the reason why people get so upset is because it, it's a powerful culture. And people, that's where the, 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 the mistake lies, is people think you're punching down. Well, actually not, I'm, I'm, I'm punching up, because, because these are the people who hound you out for your job, will attack you on social media. Uh, and that's why, when it comes to satire, it's, it's complicated at the moment, because there is a fundamental disagreement about... Who is the victim? Where are you punching up or are you punching down? Yeah, you know, um, it's, it's funny when, when we, we did a piece that, and it was over, a, we were sat down in Wagamama's and we were presented with this mat that was all the colours of the rainbow. And it's like, Wagamama's, we, we present pride. And we, we just started chatting about it, kind of going, when did this happen? When did, when did this happen? And, and so we did a piece about it and it was about a Costa coffee cup that, was, that had a rainbow. And it's like, I just want, the fucking latte. I don't want someone to tell me that same-sex marriage is fine. I just want the fucking caffeine, right? And and it was and it was a, a satire on this woke culture, you know. But the amount of got you homophobes. Yeah. How dare you punch down at, at gay people? You, I'm a no, huge no, homophobe. No, you, yeah, you are a massive homophobe. My boyfriend doesn't know, but yes, I am. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, angrily sucking cock. Yeah. Um, the best way to do it. <laughs> um, don't end on that, that bit, Jason. For God's sake. But but but, but the idea that that no, I'm not punching down. At gay people, I'm punching up at the ridiculous notion that to be they need good, to be lectured in Wagamama. That they need to be lectured, <laughs> and and that I need rainbow mats, and um, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry about the final first. words, you then, Ollie. So we don't end on sucking goats. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. What do you think then? Do you think, that from your position as someone that's presenting documentary, how much importance is comedy coming into those themes? Can we get more information out on comedy streams? Because to us. Quite often we find that comedy bloody works. Yeah, no, it always has, isn't it? You know, um, historically, whether it's Ben Elton in the eighties, you know, whether it's a pie character now, you know, um, it, massively important, especially in British, you know, comedy. Um, and you're not always going to agree. Uh, satire, I think, splits people, doesn't it? Um, but that's the whole point, you know. That's the whole point. Um, you don't have to agree. You can have a conversation. I don't agree with Andrew about certain things. But 
we can go and have a beer. We can go and make a program together. You know, right, so, so it's this idea that, 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 that these days we, we we're, we're having a discussion with this woke culture, with this woke set of comedians about about about. The, the fact that I have to explain that he's a character and that it's a fictionalised version of a, a you, you know, the, the fact that I keep having to explain that to these people, I mean, they're either they're either ignorant or they're being willfully ignorant. I, and I can't work out which is worse, you know, but I think it's willfully. I think they're willfully misinterpreted because they don't like my politics all the time. So it's easier that, it's easier not to listen and shout bigot, you, you, you know. I, I think they genuinely... It's it's funny being lectured by comedians <laughs> who don't understand what com- comedy, or who appear not to know what comedy and is. And appear not to have much of a sense of humour. Uh, at all. Yeah, yeah. It's odd, isn't it? Yeah, Talk yeah, yeah. more. That yeah. would be the, yeah. there, you there you go. Talk more. Talk don't do more, guys. Don't do it on Twitter. Yeah, do it on yeah. Twitter. Just talk a very, very final word from Jennifer, because just you're my favourite. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that on there. <laughs> but um, what, this is going to sound really Coca-Cola, but what's, what's the hope? Have we got the, the next generation coming through? Do you reckon they're going to sort it out for us? Um, no, I think we all are, and we all can. And that's—I I don't just teach like eighteen-year-olds. I teach—I teach, I teach pe- adults coming back. I've taught people from all over the world, and um, you know, they—they they go out and they have these discussions. Just today, I was having a conversation with a student who's speaking to people in other parts of the world, and that's changing the way we think about these things. Um, and I do think that humor is really important. And I think that, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, Jason. No, that's Sorry. perfect. No, <laughs> if you could give a massive round of applause for our panel. <laughs> and now we're going to go and debate whether we leave the swearing in or not. So it's like, <laughs> I think we're going to have to. Aren't we? <laughs> no choice whatsoever. Thank you so much for coming. Keep an eye on our social media for other events. Don't forget to follow these guys and buy the book as well and watch American Pie's, uh, John, American Pie's Jonathan Pie. There's, there's another one for you. Get working on that. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming. Well, I didn't lie, did I? We certainly went some places for that one. We certainly covered some ground. And one day, we might actually release the unedited version of that. One day, maybe. <laughs> so thank you so much to Tom Walker. Thank you so much to Andrew Doyle. And thank you so much, Ollie Pollard, for joining us on that. And, of course, thank you to Jennifer as well, Jennifer Randall, for hosting us at the Queen Mary University. Thank you so, so much. And as you know, I've got to do my thank yous now. So thank you so much for John. Uh, well, it's two Johns. One, the Distraction Pieces Network, John. Thank you for doing all the social network stuff you do. Listen to his podcast, The Dream Factory. It's amazing. Go find all the Distraction Pieces Network. They're equally amazing. And thank you to John Cross on our Leap UK social media. And this is where I take a deep breath and try to remember it all, which I should do by now, shouldn't I? How many episodes have we done? So we've got on Twitter, at UK Leap, on Instagram, at UK Leap. Our Facebook is UKLeap.org, and our website is UKLeap.org. Yeah, yeah that wasn't so bad, was it? Uh, thank you to my name is Ed for making us look pretty in all the artwork you do and of course thank you to Tristan and Nikki the producers thank you so much on that and I'll see you again soon the next episode's already queued up it's a very very informative one um, it's a, yeah quite different from this episode so not that this episode wasn't informative I don't want to insult my guests by saying that but yeah there's not as much swearing let's put it that way so thank you so much for joining us on Stop and Search we'll see you again soon bye behind you
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.